You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. So Holes, that Shia LaBeouf movie, uh, you ever wondered if there was a prequel? You know, before you got Holes, there was just a hole? Maybe this is the movie uh, that sets that other movie up. No, I'm kidding. It has nothing to do with that. I just wanted to say a hole because I like to. <laughs> I am talking about a whole totally different type of story. And uh, boy, we're going to have a whole lot of puns tonight. Uh, <laughs> I am joined by my fellow uh, lovers of holes, Matt. Dang. Robert. Hello. And Bradley. A hole. Dang near rectum, that pun. (laughs) Oh, trust me. uh, We're going to go deep into the hole on this one. We are talking about a new television series for Amazon Prime called Outer Range. I'm going to give a very quick synopsis, and we're going to try to avoid spoilers, but oh my god, there's a lot to this. I mean, look, I enjoy a sort of Cormac McCarthy, Taylor Sheridan murder mystery with the Coen brothers thrown in with a little bit of David Lynch mashup as much as the next guy. But this series goes to some interesting places. It uh, is the story of the Abbott family, the uh, head of the family, Royal Abbott, played by Josh Brolin. He's a cattle rancher in Wyoming. The family's going through some hard times. Business isn't great. He's in the middle of a land dispute with his uh, rival and neighbor, another rancher. His daughter-in-law disappeared mysteriously nine months ago and left behind a grieving father and a young daughter, and no one knows whatever happened to her. Things are kind of rough for the family right now. And then one day, while inspecting his property, Royal finds a hole in the ground. And not just any hole. This is a perfect circular hole that is pitch black. It's at least 40, 50 feet wide and seemingly has no bottom to it. That's when you realize, oh, there's some weird sci-fi supernatural goings on in this story. At first, Royal doesn't seem to be too freaked out about this. Not as freaked out as you think he should be, for reasons you'll come to understand later. But nevertheless, this hole ends up being a huge uh, point in the story. At some point, uh, one of Rhett's sons uh, gets into a bar fight with a son of the rival family. That son ends up dead. I don't think that's a spoiler to tell you. And Royal and the whole family cover it up. And as we find out, hey, there are holes in the ground. You got a huge hole in your property that seemingly nobody knows about, and... Sometimes uh, things go in the hole, sometimes things come out. And this is just such a weird show to talk about, because at times you forget there's any sci-fi stuff going on. No, I agree. It's actually a pretty thrilling whodunit, because the uh, sheriff, I'm sorry, the police officer who's running for sheriff, uh, currently a deputy sheriff, 
played by Tamara Podemsky. She's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I had visions of, ooh, can't she be the sidekick for the Knives Out guy in some weird crossover event? I know we all got (laughs) multiverse on the mind right now, but she is relentless, and it's in the pursuit of truth. I don't think uh, there's any corruption here or any kind of, you know, underhandedness. She just wants to know what happened. And that's the theme of the this whole sci-fi show, wouldn't you say? That you can't tell half lies and not expect the whole truth to come out eventually. It's a story about good people who do bad things. Yeah. Their intentions may be good, but of course, that's always going to end up coming back to bite you in the ass. And as Brad said, Deputy Sheriff Joy, uh, who is really, really sharply drawn in this uh, show, she's an interesting character. She's Native American. She's a lesbian. She's running for sheriff. And she's also dealing with the fact that she never found Royal's missing daughter-in-law. So she's got an election coming up. And she's not the kind of person who everyone in the community would immediately rally around. So you do feel like she needs a win. She needs to solve a case. But she's also smart enough to know that the story the Abbots are telling her, there's something wrong about that story. It's really at its best when it's kind of a crime drama. That's something I really dug. Um, I feel like the season was bookended with these opening two banger of the, the, the cut to black at the end of the first two episodes is fantastic. On whole, I think the <laughs> ending of both is is really something. And then... You know, we get this lore set up. There's this hole. We get Autumn introduced as the characters, the wandering camper who, you know, glad to finally meet you for the first time while I'm randomly randomly walking around Wyoming. And then we get this multi-character study of how they meet. We get a love reconnection. We get people starting to open up about the past and the audience gets some information. But then in the last two episodes, we really go into, I think, what everybody thought at least at the beginning i thought we were going to go a lot further into the mythology or maybe the guts of what's behind all this but i assume this is a compliment i really wished as i was watching this that it was a novel Mm. because every time there was a character turn i was like oh man i would love to go back to this paragraph and just see maria be like oh he was with me last night like the the crime whodunit aspect of it i thought was really cool and i dug all the other stuff but i really liked it it wasn't just a some of these i'm not going to call this a puzzle box show or anything but sometimes when you're dealing with this genre-esque part there's characters that are about it 24 7 when you see them on camera and then there's factions and there's a lot of build-up this one like it didn't really seem like everybody knew what was going on when they weren't supposed to know what was going on and so i think that the last couple episodes i thought were really effective because of how much breathing the setup got. They really do a great job building up the mystery and not explaining everything. I think it's safe to say you're not going to get all of your questions answered. They tend to keep the sci-fi elements to the beginning and the end of an episode. So when you're in the middle of it, you kind of forget about all that other stuff. You're just like in this really gripping sort of small town crime drama about a family who's falling apart because they're trying to protect themselves from a tenacious sheriff and the threat from a rival neighboring family. And that's where things really get odd because... The uh, the head of that family, uh, played by the wonderful character actor Will Patton, him and his children, his brood, they seem like they're in a totally different show altogether. Like a David Lynch, 
Twin Peaks soap opera type of show. They're really fucking weird. What lets them basically get away with this show without anybody um, stumbling over any plot holes <laughs> is the quality of the ensemble. Uh, you know, Royal Abbott is Josh Brolin. His wife is played by Lily Taylor. Oh, yeah. She's so good. I didn't recognize him, uh, but you have Tom Pelfrey, the guy that played Kurt Bunker in Banshee, a very intense character in that, who is the, uh, I believe, the older of the two sons. Of, and he is like, seems very plausibly related to Josh Brolin's character, like sort of aura and their mannerisms are very similar. And Lewis Pullman, who is uh, the younger son, Rhett, who I believe is the son of Bill Pullman. But yeah, they... They actually, you wouldn't think of like Josh Brolin and Lily Tyler being in a movie together necessarily, but when they put them together as a unit and you look at the whole family, you're like, yeah, they look like a credible real family. Will Patton is bizarre in this, and then so is uh, his his character's son, Billy, mm. who is sort of a weird um, throwback to the idea of a singing cowboy. Yeah. But he's a, he's a wealthy ranch scion that wants to like, you know... Be, a, be the next uh, country music sensation. But he sings a lot of 80s pop tunes. <laughs> he seems to always be living in his own world. Like, his two brothers will be having serious conversations, like very problematic conversations about land disputes, and he'll be plucking at his guitar like, Oh, I'm out here on the range looking for my... And he sometimes and like, talks in song lyrics. Yeah, the guy's weird. Well, and then, and then that's very interestingly developed when the, the going gets weird. He turns out to be like very in tune with it and rolls with it. Some of the stuff here, like the um, Sheriff Joy, uh, Tamara Panemski, the last scene in this season with her in it, the emotions that go over her face, and I won't spoil what the phenomenon that she witnesses is, but the the look on her face is just like, it reminded me of, uh, if you think back to Sideways, there's a part where Paul Giamatti's like pacing and thinking. And you can tell almost everything he's thinking in his head, right? And it's a bomb drop of similar quality where you see like nine conflicting emotions go over this woman's face. I have to say it should almost be criminal to end a season exactly where this season ends. I, I would go so far as to say it's a little, not even a cliffhanger. It's a little bit like it didn't quite have an, have an ending for this season. Well, obviously, we haven't gotten the whole story yet. <laughs> we'll have to wait another season to get that. Do you think we are getting one, though? As soon as I saw that hole, I know someone was going to um, have to dive into it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that it's Chekhov's hole. You've got a big-ass <laughs> hole in the ground. Something's going in it. But as we find out, and I won't spoil it, but sometimes things come out of the hole, and it's not always what you expect. There's also... Weird creatures wandering around. Not necessarily weird. I mean, there's animals like bears and a bison that's got a couple of arrows sticking out of it. You know, there's a bear cub. All of these critters show up and you kind of feel like, why are they here in the story? Because they're not just random animals walking in the background. They feel like characters in the story. Somehow their presence, whether it's symbolic or... Or, you know, whether it serves some more literal narrative purpose, everything in this feels like it exists for a reason. We just don't always know what that reason is. We even get a little bit of a great towny side plot with like the uh, the county commissioner guy. I believe he's the jump to conclusions guy, isn't he? 
from from Office Space. He's not he's not Wilford Brimley, although he bears him more more than a passing resemblance. Oh, I know who you mean. Yeah, I I just think of him as the turtleneck and blazer guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he's great. I liked what they did. The whole thing where like, okay, we're gonna have one weird thing happen. Like this this world's gonna be different in one way, and they have to figure the mechanics of it. And I like that they're like. I've loved many a show that was written the opposite way, but I like that they don't sit down and do like a, the Scooby gang sits there and ties something on a rope and throws it through and tries to figure out how the whole works. Right. Yeah. Well, that would make too much sense. Everyone who encounters this thing, they don't, they don't necessarily react in a uniform way, but I thought they reacted in a very real, like borderline denial of how weird it was. They were just, the fuck is that? you know yeah and, and and as i said royal doesn't seem nearly as freaked out about this as he should but we do come to realize that he knows a little bit more than he's saying as does the autumn character who's clearly there and has some interest about something that's going on on this property and likewise the will Patton character wants to buy this particular parcel of land he's even taking him to court you know, he even says, I'll sell you this other pasture. And he's like, no, I want that one. Because not only the hole is there, but there's a strange type of mineral that has some interesting properties. And man, this, I really want to talk at length with you guys about what went down this season, but I really don't want to ruin it for people because there's so many weird twists and turns in it. Yeah. You know, one thing we haven't talked about yet is Autumn, who is out you know, I'm on the land, she mentions, you know, I feel like I was drawn here. You know, we get that kind of character. I don't know if you can call her a villain, but I will say I can. I absolutely hated her. Like as soon as we saw her and I just think it was it was effective writing to me because the same we talked about Billy's character played by Noah Reed. Every time he's saying the cringiness of it wanted me wanted him to stop. But whenever I saw him on screen, I was like, please fucking sing another song. It's beautiful voice. Yeah. Like this, this thing pushed, pushed a lot of my buttons and gave me a lot of what I wanted. And that's why I wish this was a novel that I could have read. Cause a lot of it just, it's not fan service, but you get to see a lot of stuff. Ter- characters aren't doing in a lot of other stuff. A lot of situations where the, it's just a little bit different. I like so much of the inner workings of it that not them not giving up the ghost was cool with me because I'm going to assume Bezos is going to drop the cash so we can get another. (laughs) What got me about this is like they, they curated the weird stuff enough that like it still feels oddly grounded. So when Billy like starts singing in the middle of a crowd, it doesn't seem like it's what's the word when it's um, like they do in a musical didactic or whatever. Non-diagetic. Yeah. Yeah. But nor does it seem like it's truly like integrated into the world. It seems like he's a fucking freak and everybody's looking at him for doing it. And and they're yeah. putting up with it because he is rich. They gave, yeah. He gave me I natural born that. killer vibe. And <laughs> when we yeah, see, every yeah. time we see him offer a ride, everybody I watched it with here at the house was like, no. Don't get in that car. <laughs> Absolutely don't. Not even the adults. They kept doing it too. Then there's also like a weird, like there's a weird moment where he gets in a fight with his, with his brother and restrains him. And all of a sudden you realize like, oh, that's like a big potential serial killing guy. And we've been like taking him lightly because he's so silly. Yeah. 
Like, like he, he just sort of picks his, his ostensibly older and more charismatic and more aggressive brother up and just kind of walks off with him. Like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, yeah, he could actually probably, uh, you know, smack somebody. They plant that seed, and then in the next scene when he does something more confrontational, you're not like, oh, little Billy did that? I think as the season progresses, they got more confident in how, what they were doing. I think the tone became more consistent. But the first time you meet the Tillersons, it's kind of jarring. It seems like, whoa, they're in a different show than the Abbots, and who are in a slightly different show than the one Imogen Poots or Tamara Podemski are in. But when they Poots. do... Poots. <laughs> oh my goodness. Imogen Poots. Uh, we love her. Great, great name. Uh, you couldn't make a better name than, than Imogen Poots, uh, in my opinion. But yeah, she's fantastic in this. And she becomes increasingly unhinged. And she's almost something of a cult leader by the end. Although her cult seems to consist entirely of her and Billy. But she's also on the phone talking to someone every once in a while saying, Hey, I need money. But we don't know why. And at one point, people go into that hole and we see things on the other side of that hole that I can't talk about. And I don't think they have really touched on consistently or at least frequently. Uh, there's always a chance they're going to get back to it if they make a season two. But I came away with so many questions and I'm curious to find more. Usually I'm kind of pissed if I feel like, you know, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. You're just making shit up and throwing <laughs> things at the wall. Oh, I've been burned too many times by shows that sure, never sure. fucking yeah. end. I watched two of those shows this year. Oh, my. <laughs> I, I definitely don't feel like this is going to be a lost where they reach a they reach a point where they realize they've done way too much setup and not enough delivering. Yeah, I'm hoping that the character and story work we saw was fine enough needle point that i'm i'm down like i want to especially if they go some like not even the more abstract but that holds just you know kind of that's whatever and that's all we get and then it's more sci-fi and that one of my favorite ideas about sci-fi is it's not about the tech it's about how horrible we'll be to to each other is really what's like we just do it in spacesuits and stuff it's all about murder and who's gonna make whoever do whatever, but that just being there and this weird little setup of characters we got around it. Like I'm down. I I think it was, it was a cool start. First time showrunner, first time, uh, you know, a series writer guy. I think it, it it's a really, really big swing. I dug it. I couldn't find anything about the show creator, Brian Watkins. He does not have a Wikipedia page. And when you go see, check him out, IMDB, the only credits he has is for Outer Rage as a creator, writer, and producer. And all I've found about the guy so far is that he's from the West, so he's like from that Wyoming, Montana type of part of the country. He wrote a spec script and showed it to Amazon, and they kind of had the same reaction we did uh, by the end of that first episode. They're like, well, what, what the hell happens next? I guess he said... Uh, well, pay me and I'll write it for you and you'll find <laughs> out. You know? Damn <laughs> Amazon. Like, you don't give that shit away for free. He's the biggest mystery of all of this. That's kind of meta. Maybe this is secretly autobiographical. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, maybe that's why we've never heard of this guy. But let's start going into our final thoughts because we literally can't say anything else about this without spoiling it. And I don't want to do that. I think it's worth exploring this and discovering it for yourself. Matt, would you kick us off, please? Do us the honors. 
Um, I would say this is a this is a worthy investment of your time. It's pretty good. It works on a dramatic level. The sort of weirdness of it is kind of, like I said, very well throttled. I don't really think I would compare this to directly to David Lynch, but it does have that quality of it's an extremely surreal show that is actually still explicable enough that you could like show it to a non-genre fan and they would be able to roll with it. And the, the con column, I have to say, I am from central Wyoming. And man, um, and it's Wyoming's fault because Wyoming doesn't have a film grant. Yeah. Doesn't have really enough of a community to put up solid crews and stuff. But man, they cannot decide if something is, uh, if Wyoming looks like Ireland or, or West Texas. Come to find out, this is mostly filled in the, filmed in the uh, you know high elevation areas of New Mexico, which ends up as a stand-in for a lot of the West because... You can drive to a lot of different biomes from Albuquerque. And they have crews and incentives. And that pizza is still on the roof. <laughs> I think all in all, I would give this uh, 9 out of 10 people who stayed too long in the Midnight Sea. All right. Bradley, what are your thoughts, sir? See, my mind at this show's closing went directly to one of my favorite passages from an old Western or a new Western, neo-Western book which I'm going to quickly read in an old-timey Western voice. Once, there were brook trouts in the streams in the mountains. You could see them standing in the amber current where the wide edges of their fins wimpled softly in the flow. They smelled of moss in your hand, polished and muscular and torsional. On their backs were vermiculate patterns. There were maps of the world and its becoming, maps and mazes of a thing which could not be put back not be made right again. In the deep glens where they lived, all things were older than man, and they hummed of mystery. Now, if you liked any of that that I just threw down, this is a must-watch for you. I'm giving this 8 out of 10 ranges with mountains that used to be there, right? I have to ask, is that Cormac McCarthy? That's Cormac McCarthy's The Road, yeah. Yep, that's. I was like, I know I've heard this before because I have, in fact, read that book. And Cormac McCarthy, I think, is a very big influence on this as well. The rural setting and this sort of ornate approach to storytelling that only he really knows how to do. Absolutely. That and, you know, like, you know, questions about the absence of God <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and life in a cruel and different universe, uh, which these characters all wrestle with. Robert, what are your final thoughts, sir? Uh, I guess no God. Oh, no, final thoughts. Never mind. <laughs> well, that's a much bigger discussion we'll have to have offline. Hmm. I thought, Damn, I never thought it would be the Mormons that were right. You know, I mean, they had to be right about something. Let them have something. I'm going to go punch myself in the mirror now for recycling a South Park joke. We've all done it. <laughs> all self-flagellation aside. <laughs> been there. I think Roland was great. Uh, you know, give him a monologue. Keep him in those... Uh, Carhartt jackets, you know, it it works for me. I thought Lily Taylor, who at first I didn't think we'd get a lot of screen time with, man, she got the rough stuff there in the back half of the season. But, you know, to see her play that in this style was great too. And, uh, you know, I dug it overall, but I'm going to put it out there in the universe that we want the David Lynch Tillersons after Jark, where it's just Deidre O'Connell and Will Patton getting drunk, talking about the Abbots and Tillersons getting drunk in the 80s, like, Let's do that. Noah Reed can sing the theme song. I thought Olive Amber Crombie playing Amy Abbott was cool. She got a, some meteor stuff there at the end. I liked it. Like I said, I I think what made it 
for me, the best experience is that there's 10 or 12 characters that I'll think about legit until this comes back out, hopefully next year. So I'm going to go eight and a half seconds on a bull because <laughs> I thought those scenes were pretty well done, too. You know, it did look like Texas. Go Texas. I really like this a lot. I went in very cold. I knew Josh Brolin was in it. As soon as his opening monologue, you know, starts playing on the first episode, when he's talking about Kronos, the Greek Titan over time, I'm like, holy shit, we've got from, we've gone from Thanos to Kronos. Uh, what is, where's that going? And that's your first clue that there's something involving time. And yet, Whenever I thought I knew where this was going, it went somewhere else. And I really appreciate that because it can be very frustrating to not get the show that you're expecting. But if the show delivers you something even better than you expected, it's great. I don't know if they have three or four seasons worth of material. I hope to God they don't drag this out because I'm liking this show so much. I don't want to have to rage quit it two seasons from now. Right now, what everything, even if it doesn't feel answered, even if it doesn't feel explicable, it feels thought out, it feels intentional, and it feels just right in its strange, ambiguous way. This is a TV show that has mysteries in it, but it's not really about solving the mysteries right away. Like Robert was saying, you get a lot of great character work. And we see a lot of people make decisions that don't always pan out. And sometimes good people do terrible things. Sometimes bad people do good things. I mean, no one here feels like a total cartoon, no matter how weird they get. Especially the members of the Abbott family. They all feel like real people. Even when they're making terrible decisions, you're rooting for them to get through this horrible time in their life. And only time will tell if they'll succeed or not. There's already been some hints about uh, a very dark future, and I would really love to see more of that because I don't want to be sitting on the couch three years from now going, God damn, this show used to be good. Let's hope I'm wrong about that and they just knock it out of the park. I'm going to give this 8 out of 10 mysterious pendants that you should never crack open, and if you do, you probably shouldn't eat what's inside of it. I like this show, and I like it a whole lot better when it gets renewed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm hoping that they'll be able to take a more holistic approach. Starring Josh Brolin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 